Um, all right, I want to dive into part three of the perfect fit. Is anybody else ready to get into the word of God this morning? Anybody besides me? Come on, let's do this. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into a passage of scripture. And it's kind of a long passage, but it's going to set us up for the rest of the sermon. I want to spend some time in this passage. It's a beautiful passage. Um, and so track with me on this scripture and then we'll, um, we'll break it, break it out together. Here it comes from first Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse four. It says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Somebody say different, but the same. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So, somebody say different, but the same. Mm. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Say different, but the same. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. We're going to skip down to verse 12. It says, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all of its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. Did you catch that? What he's saying? He said, there's many, and then there's one. There are the many parts, but then there's just the one body. So it is with Christ for we are, we were all baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. See, he keeps going back between these two ideas. One idea is oneness, unity, uh, cohesion, interconnectedness. The other idea is multiplicity, diversity, uh, uniqueness. And he keeps saying there's this and there's this, and actually they're coming together. The many, we don't want to ignore the many, but we can't ignore the one. Okay. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. Now, example, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. You, you, you're not disqualified from being part of the body just because you're not like another part of the body that you think might be a better part of the body. Right? It doesn't mean you're not part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. You don't just, you don't, just because you're not like somebody else, don't, don't disqualify you just because you, yourself, just because you're different. Let me say it again. Don't disqualify yourself just because you're different from somebody else that you see as important and valued in the body of Christ. Are you tracking with me? Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? You see, he's, he's, the logical conclusion is you need all the parts, right? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, each one of them, uh, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be, right? If we're all just one part, where that's not a body. The eye cannot say to the hand, now he's going to turn it around, right? Okay. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. So in other words, just like you don't, don't, don't disqualify yourself because of your difference. Um, don't let your, don't let your arrogance alienate yourself is the other thing that he's saying here. He's saying like, if you think that you are the most important part of the body, and then you think that other parts of the body are not that important, you got to watch that. He said, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God, he said, has put the body together. Somebody say, perfect fit. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, final, final sentence. You thought I was going to read the whole book of 1 Corinthians 12. Here it is, last line. Now, you are the body of Christ. Somebody say, I'm the body of Christ. Now say, we are the body of Christ. Tell somebody on your right, you are the body of Christ. Tell the better looking person on the other side, you are the body of, okay. You are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Today I'm gonna preach a very simple message called Some Assembly Required. Some Assembly Required. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we just know that if we will open our hearts to receive your word, it will reach into our heart and transform us. I pray that our, our, our heart would be like good soil to receive the seeds of your word, that it might be planted in us deeply, transform us, and produce the kind of fruit that you would have for us. Let us be a forest. Let us be an orchard. Let us be a garden of growth and productivity by the power of your word to bring honor, praise, and glory to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Okay, I want to ask you a question this morning to get us, get us started. The question is this. How many of y'all like butter? It's a deep question. Everybody, y'all like butter? Okay, I like butter. I think a lot of people like butter. There are some people that don't. Um, but um, they're, they're at a different church. Non-butter people are, no. Um, now, we all like butter. We are, so, but if I were to come to you with a stick of butter today, and I go, hey, man, I know you like butter. Here, have a stick of butter. Right? You'd be like, mm, I, don't, I mean, I like butter, but I'm not prepared to just eat, ingest an entire stick of butter, right? It's not, not, not terribly appealing. Same, same with sugar. Anybody here like sugar? Wow. We're all going to be like at Uncle Bill's pancake house after this, right? So if, if, if I were to bring you a bowl of sugar and I said, I know you like sugar, here, have some sugar, you would be like, well, I like sugar, but I'm not so sure that I want to eat an entire bowl of sugar, right? I appreciate flour. I really do. I appreciate flour, uh, but, but I don't want to eat a bowl of flour, you know? I mean, I, I like eggs. I'm an egg. I like eggs. But if somebody brought me a glass of raw eggs, a cup of raw eggs, I mean, Rocky Balboa might drink those, you know, some, for some of you guys. But, but I'm not interested in drinking raw eggs, right? Baking soda, I value. We have some in the fridge right now. But I'm not going to take a spoon and eat any baking soda. Some of you are like, what in the world is he talking about right now? Here's the thing. All of these things are good, right, and nice on their own. There's a value to them and a worth to them, but you don't want them on their own because they're not made to be on their own. If you put the butter and the sugar and the flour and the baking soda and the eggs into a bowl and you stir that bowl up and you pour it into a pan and you put that pan in an oven and you turn on the heat and then you pull that pan back out, you got a cake, people. 
You got something delicious, but you only get the cake if all of the parts are mixed together and doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing and interworking and interlocking with each other, each part on its own becoming one. Are you with me this morning? If you get that, I'm just, I'll just be done preaching. I could just dismiss right now. Oh, wait, somebody's like, amen. <laughs> so, yes. Here's what Paul is saying. It's the same with the body of Christ. Each part is indispensable. Each part is unique. Each part is important. Each one of you with your own unique gifts, talents, strengths, weaknesses, idiosyncrasies, each one of you is valuable and important and vital. However, you cannot fulfill your purpose on your own. You cannot fulfill your purpose out here on a, a, a butter plate all by yourself. You cannot fulfill the purpose that God has put in you if you are not interconnected with the people of God who are also fulfilling their purpose and their unique strength and their unique calling and their unique destiny. You can't do it unless we do it together. Are you with me this morning? It's got to be together. It's uniqueness and togetherness. That's what it is. Now, if you've been here for the last two weeks, I've been focusing on the individual. Right? I, I want to help you individually, especially, you know, if you're, if you're in your teens, 20s, and 30s, this is something that a lot of you are thinking about. But not only you, because a lot of people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s are thinking, wow, do I have a purpose too? Yes, you do. God has a unique and specific purpose for each and every one of us, and we've been exploring that in the last two weeks. I gave you a graphic a couple, a few weeks ago, uh, and it's, it's, it's this graphic here where you've got your design, that means uh, what you're good at, what your gifts are, what your talents are. You've got desire, that means what the passion is that God has put in you, right? And then you've got demand, which is where is the need in the world, right? And where those three overlap, where your design and, and, your, and your godly desire and the demands of the world, the needs of the world overlap, that's your destiny. That's your specific and unique destiny. The way God made you, the passion that he put in your heart, and the environment that you're in, and the problems that you see there. Where those three things overlap, man, that's, that's your sweet spot. That's where you want to flow. And then the following week, I gave you five secrets, five basically principles uh, about how to live out your purpose. Never waste your pain. Don't, don't, don't avoid the pain that, that you've experienced because your pain is a catalyst towards your purpose. The pain can actually guide you into the focus for your life. Uh, develop your discipline in the dark. This is David, right? Who's out there, you know, practicing the rocks and the sling, right? Do this, do, be faithful in the little, and then he'll graduate you to the great. Address the current and controllable. This, this principle is about not trying to like um, um, control all of the things out there that are, that are distant and debatable. All those things that are outside of you that you're like, I'm going to focus on that. And then you've got a mess right here in front of you. And the, the way to get to your purpose is to focus on what you can control right now. What's in your sphere of influence. Number four, destroy the source of your distractions. The fruit flies of distraction that are out there. Trend, you gotta, you gotta get rid of the source of your distractions so you can focus on the kingdom of God. And the fifth one is let your weakness become your strength. That's, that's when you say, God, I'm, I don't have the power to do it. 
Uh, I'm just going to put my faith in you because there's some impossible things in my life that I honestly cannot accomplish. And so I'm going to actually, I'm going to actually submit my life to you because if I submit my life to you and I say, I can't do it, that's when your strength can come in. That's when our, we our, your power is made perfect in our, in our weakness. And that's when your strength can come in and say, I got you. Right? So these last two weeks have been focused on you individually. But what we're learning today is the Apostle Paul is saying, yes, yes, yes. Develop those individual strengths and abilities. Develop that design. Go for that. But if you really want to live it out, you've got to live it out in community. You've got to bring it together with other people who are living out their purpose so that your gifts and strengths and unique qualities can interact with one another to make something beautiful and whole. All right. So I, I, today I decided I'm going to, I'm going to illustrate this. Um, I went down to um, my wife's very favorite place in St. Louis. Um, you may know the Ikea store over here off of 40, you know. Um, and, and, and like every box at Ikea, there's one item but many parts. Somebody say one but many. Yeah, so, so I got this box from Ikea. And uh, inside of this box, there's one item, but many parts. There's a uh, piece of metal with some cabling attached to it. Uh, There appears to be a sort of a shade. All right, we're starting to see something come together here. Um, We've got a, looks like this is a kind of a base. All right, okay, all right. Y'all know where I'm going with this, don't you? Hmm. Um, this is a doodad of some kind, variety. Uh, this is a, a light bulb. So, so what, what we see is there's many, and each part is important if you're going to actually make one thing. If you leave any of these parts out, you don't have one thing, right? You have many parts, but one item. And, and, and here's what happens a lot of times. And this is what the Apostle Paul is addressing at the beginning of the passage. He's saying a lot of times you look at somebody else's life and you say, man, I'm not that. I can never be that. And since I'm not that, I must not be valuable and important to the whole. Some of you feel that way. I know you feel that way. I feel that way sometimes. I really do. Sometimes I go, man, I mean, look at that person's talent. I mean, look at that person's ability. I don't have that. I can't do that. You know, like maybe I'm not that important to the body of Christ. It, it would be like, it would be like, it would be like this stem going, you know what, man, I, I'm not the bulb, you know? So I'm not really part of the lamp. I'm just, I'm just a stem over here, but this is, the bulb is what's important, right? And the apostle Paul's going, no, 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 no. Each one of you is important. But when you compare yourself to other people and their strengths and their talents, it can diminish your own personal sense of calling. So I want somebody to write this down. Comparison destroys calling. Comparison destroys calling. When you compare yourself to that person on Instagram who you looked at this morning, and you say, man, I, I can't do that. I must not be valued and important in the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. You begin to diminish the power of your calling by comparison. I'm going to give you an example. 
Years ago, after we planted one family church, Rebecca and I were down at a church conference down in, um, in Alabama. And we were down at this church conference and this church was just doing amazing things. And man, they had everything dialed in and they were doing excellent ministry at every level. And we had just planted U City Family Church at that time. We were called U City Family Church. And we just planted and we're, you know, we're kind of getting up and running. And we walk down there and we're looking at the facilities and we're looking at the sound and we're looking at the stage and we're looking at, looking at the people and we're just looking at everything going whoa, man, like this is way outside of what we're doing. We got a little, we got a little six foot red broken down trailer in my garage, you know, with like a keyboard and a janky microphone stand in it. And we're like pulling up to the Tivoli theater, all 11 of us and piling out and trying to plug things in. And I'm just like, you know, there was this moment where we were just going, we felt overwhelmed. Why? Because we're comparing ourselves to somebody else who's doing something else in the body of Christ, right? In fact, I remember very clearly, this is actually pretty emotional. Rebecca and I, we kind of, she got overwhelmed and I kind of got overwhelmed and we were standing outside of the, uh, of the building and it was like on a break and then they had kind of started back and, and we couldn't go back in because we were both feeling like just sort of stressed out and overwhelmed by the immenseness of this. And so Rebecca and I are standing there and she had been to like a worship you know, um, a worship uh, workshop. And at that time, many, some of you know, at that time, we, she was the only worship leader at One Family Church. She was the only worship singer. She was the, she was the whole thing. And uh, there was just a little stage right here, four foot by eight foot stage. We called it Old Misery. Old Misery was a very heavy thing. And a lot of people got hernias carrying Old Misery around. And so it's a lot of injuries. Uh, and so Old Misery was there and Rebecca would stand there and sing and then I would get up and speak about Old Misery, man. I'd get up and preach and I could just feel people going, hmm, I don't understand anything you're saying right now. So, so young Misery. I was like, I was, I was, I wasn't. And so we're looking at them and then we're looking at us. We're looking at us and then we're looking at them. So anyway, we're out there and we just start to break down. Rebecca just starts to cry. She just started crying. She's like, I can't do this. She's crying. And I'm like trying to comfort her going, but I'm feeling the same way. I'm trying to act like, so we're comforting one another, standing on the sidewalk. And about that time, I notice that we're standing outside of the building and the building is glass, but actually it's a window and there's a classroom in that, in that, right behind that glass. And they're all watching us and we're over here going, <laughs> and it was like, oh, you know, and we just kind of try to walk off like, you know, gradually and then not see any of those people later on. But the problem was we, we felt like our calling was being, was our calling was being diminished because we were comparing ourselves to somebody else. And the apostle Paul goes, no, 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 that's not the way a body works. He said this, he said in, uh, where we at verse, uh, 15, if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It should not for that reason, stop being part of the body. Right? Just because you're not doing what somebody else is doing. I told you it's going to be a simple message, but I'm going to drive this all the way home. If, 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 uh, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? In fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Somebody say, I am right where God wants me to be. God, God put the strengths, the talents, the abilities in you that he wants in you because he has a specific and unique purpose for you. And if you undervalue yourself, 
you begin to undervalue the possibility of you connecting with other people and fulfilling your purpose on the planet. I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you a, a, a stark example. In 1986, I was a little kid in 1986. In 1986, uh, they launched the, the, the Space Shuttle Challenger. Some of you may remember this. And, and it was going to be the first teacher in flight. So they had children all around the United States watching on TV, watching this event. I remember I was sitting in my little science class and I was watching this event on TV. And what happened is the, the rocket takes off and it's going up into space and, all, and we're all like, yay. And a few seconds into it, you could tell something went wrong. And it just, and the rocket completely disintegrated in the, in the air. It was just a massive tragedy. Seven, seven people were on, on that flight. All of them died. There's about $3 billion worth of loss, just, just financial loss. And, and, you know, plus the loss of life and this, you know, everything. It was just, it was a horrible tragedy. And every child in America essentially is watching this on TV at school. And after kind of they went through and figured out what happened, what they discovered is that this huge $3 billion rocket, the reason it was destroyed was because of two teeny rubber O-rings, about a quarter of an inch in diameter. Rubber O-ring, quarter of an inch in diameter, is what was what got messed up and, and it didn't seal properly and allowed some gas to get in and the thing exploded, right? Now, if you're looking at the Space Shuttle Challenger, you might think, well, the astronauts are important, right? The wings are important. The rockets are important. Yes, it's all important, but if, if the O-rings aren't there, come on, somebody. If the O-ring isn't there, the whole thing's going to blow up. Here's what Paul is saying. You are indispensable to the body of Christ. You might think you're small. You might think you're insignificant. You might think you're not worth uh, being a part or being called into it. And Apostle Paul goes, no, 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 no. Every single part is indispensable to the body of Christ. Now, so he's correcting that error, the error of comparison, the error of undervaluing your worth, right? And then a few lines later, he knows that there are some of us that have the other error. You have an elevated sense of your value. Don't look, you don't look at the person next to you. Jason, don't look at your wife when I saw that. Right? We have, some of us have an elevated sense of our importance, which then devalues the importance of somebody else. Right? You say, well, I don't really need that person. I'm, I'm here. I can do this. And I don't need you as part of the body. The Apostle Paul says, that's wrong. Just as wrong as it is to compare, it's also wrong to have conceit. Somebody write this down. Conceit destroys calling. Conceit destroys calling. When you have an inflated sense of your own importance, when you have an inflated sense of your own value, when you have an inflated sense of your worth and an undervalued sense of somebody else's worth. And this can happen to all of us. I'll give you an example. How many of you right now, and I just want you to be totally honest with me, totally honest at both campuses and online, how many of you honestly believe that you are an above average driver? Go ahead and raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. See, like about 90% of you believe that you are in the top 50% of drivers. 
I believe I'm in the top 1%. I really do. Nobody in my family agrees with me, but I'm convinced that I'm up here. This is what, what, what social scientists call the Dunning-Kruger effect. Dunning-Kruger effect, I'm going to read you the definition of it. The Dunning-Kruger effect, the cognitive bias wherein people of low ability <laughs> suffer from the illusory superiority, mistakenly assessing their cognitive ability as greater than it actually is. The Dunning-Kruger effect. This is when we think we're better than we are. This is when we think, you know, I'm, I'm definitely in the top 1% of drivers. You know, they, they, they do studies on, like, they'll ask a group of men, um, do you think that you were an above average fighter? If you were in a fight, do you think you would win? And like 98.9% of men go, actually, yeah, I would do it. I would be able to. I don't know if that's the exact number, but it's somewhere in that ballpark. Everybody, right? They did a study, a high-tech firm's discovered that uh, about 38% of software engineers rated their skills as being in the top 5% of their companies. So 38% said we're in the top 5%, right? So we, we overestimate, we sometimes overvalue uh, our, our own worth. And when we do that, that means we inherently undervalue the worth of somebody else, right? We start to think that they're not important. We start to see ourselves as like hyper important and other people as not valuable or not that important, as dispensable. And the Apostle Paul says, you are indispensable. You're not dispensable. In fact, in fact, he says this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. If the head doesn't have the feet, the head can't get around. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. So, so the stand can't say to the shade, I don't need you. The shade cannot say to the stand, I don't need you, right? Each part, the Apostle Paul is saying, each part is indispensable to the whole. So I want to I kind of recap for just a second. I want every single one of you to stop comparing yourself to others and devaluing yourself as compared to them. And I don't want you to overcorrect. I, I want every single one of you who, who sort of inherently sort of feel like you're just slightly superior to everybody else, just to know that humble yourself, right? Humble yourself and know that you are indispensable and so is everybody else to the body of Christ. Every single one of us counts. So, so how do we actually... Uh, how, how do we actually start to fulfill our calling? Let me give you one more verse from Proverbs 26, 12. It says, do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Right? Because you, you can't teach somebody who thinks they already know. You can't train somebody who thinks they already know. When you try to teach somebody who says, I already got this, you can't train them. They're worse than a fool. At least a fool might go, I don't know. Right? And then you can train them. But the, 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 the scripture says you can't, it can't be too haughty in your own eyes. So here's where it comes to, to, a, to a, a, a crescendo in verse 27. Now it says you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Again, we've got this dynamic. You are the body of Christ individually and each one of you is a part of it. What that tells us is that calling grows only in community. 
Calling grows only in community. The way that you will fulfill your purpose in life is to interlink, interconnect your life intimately, intricately, and deeply with the lives of those around you. That's the way to do it. I actually had a conversation with somebody just this week who is like dynamic, is, 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 a, is, a, is, a, um, is a gatherer, has a lot of charisma, and has zero ability to kind of organize their life. And I was trying to counsel them and saying, you need an administrator. You need somebody to help balance your weaknesses. You're never going to be good at that. So don't try to be good at that. But you need somebody to connect deeply with you who they use their gift. You use their, their, your gift. And together you make a difference, right? That, that's what the apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, look, you, you got to have, you got to have the stem. Okay. You got to have the stand. This part has got to get connected to this part. Because if this part is by itself, it's not going to work. And then you actually need this part to go on to this part. Because now you're starting to see something come together. And then you've got to take the doodad and you've got to put it into the doodad holder right there. <laughs> Just like that, right? It's one item, many parts. And then you, this is kind of an indispensable part, right? You got to put that in here. Right? So now what you've got are all these parts, all these parts, but you got one thing. You see, now you've got something that's useful. Now you've got something that's functional because each part that was designed uniquely and specifically for its own purpose is deeply and totally intricately interconnected with the other parts. And now you've got a whole. Now you've got something beautiful. Now you've got something important. Now you've got something valuable. So let's take the cable off of it like this and unwrap it. Right? Okay, there we go. Now you've, got, now you've got a hole. Now you've got something that you can use. I want to take you one more scripture, and here's what it says. Matthew 5. You, meaning the church, meaning us, meaning you, not just one family church. I'm talking about the whole church around the globe. You are the light of the world. You are a city situated on a hill, and a city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but they, they, they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all of those who are in the house, right? It's all the parts working together to bring light. In the same way, let your light shine collectively, church. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Do you realize that when you and I uniquely gifted in all of our design, desire, demand, when we do that individually and then we interlink with each other's gifts, talents, and abilities, it doesn't bring honor to us. That's not the goal. The light doesn't, the lamp doesn't light the room for the lamp. The lamp lights the room for the other people in the room. That's what the church is for. The church is not for the church. The church is for the people who are not in the church. The church is for the people in the community who are in darkness. The church is for the people who don't know where they're going and suddenly the light comes on. Here's, here's what he's saying. When you have all the parts interconnected and you connect all of those parts and then you connect yourself to the source of your power, the power that works within you, then you can be the light. We can be the light on a lampstand. 
We can be a light that spreads light and love and joy and peace and power around this community, around this nation, around this world. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the body of Christ. If you're a new believer or maybe you're a guest and you don't know what this phrase body of Christ means, what it means is Christians around the globe are supposed to be doing what Jesus was doing when he was here in bodily form. We are supposed to actually connect and be his body. In fact, Jesus said, greater things will you do. I'm going to leave, but you all are going to do greater things because I'm leaving. When I think about that, I go, I'm not doing greater things than Jesus. I'm not breaking bread and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not healing people of leprosy. I'm not, he said, no, no, not you individually. You, the body of Christ, when we collectively work together and use the strengths, gifts, and talents that he gave us, we will transform this planet, people, and I want to be a part of that. So here's, here's what I'm, I'm going to ask of each and every one of you today. As you are discovering, developing, and deploying your purpose, I want you to make a commitment. I want you to make a decision to do it within the context of the body of Christ. And I'm going to tell you this. And I'm, I'll show you my cards right out of the gate. I'm biased. I think One Family Church is the greatest place on the planet. I love it, okay? I'm biased. I'm biased. But, but the church, the body of Christ, is way bigger than this. I'm talking way bigger than this. There are followers of Jesus all over this city, all over this state, all over this nation, all over this world. And, he, and God is saying, I, that's who I'm talking about. We're, we're apart we're individually apart, but then one family church is a part of the body of Christ. So I want to I invite you to get connected here, get plugged in here, or get plugged in somewhere. Because you cannot fulfill your purpose outside of your interconnectedness with the community. It just doesn't happen. Calling grows only in community. So my prayer for us today... My prayer for each and every one of us, and I'm closing with this, each and every one of us, is that we would open our hearts, we would say, God, I'm not going to compare myself and diminish my calling because I'm not as good at something as somebody else. I'm also not going to look down at somebody because I don't think they're as good as me at what I do. I can see their weaknesses. I'm not going to compare. I'm not going to have conceit. I'm going to click in. I'm going to dive into community. And allow my, my calling to grow. I'm going to allow myself to be part of what you're doing. I'm going to allow myself to be part of the light that shines in the darkness of our world. I'm going to ask you to make that commitment today. Make that commitment today. And accept the reality that for you to fulfill your calling, there is some assembly required. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Your word is good. Oh, your word is good. We just want to be a part of it, Lord. Each and every one of us here that love you, we, we, we tend to fall into one of these errors and we slip down and, and have low, low sense of personal value. Or we have an inflated sense of our own worth and value and we devalue others. And I pray that wherever we are on that spectrum, you would correct us and draw us to the truth, which is each part is indispensable. Each part is gifted and uniquely designed to do its thing, interlocked and interconnected. I pray that you would draw us together, mix us together. Let us be a light. Let us be the, 
the, the, the bread of life, the cake that you would make with all the parts mixed together and all the ingredients mixed together. I pray that each one of us would set down our pride and set down our, 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 our false humility. And we would say, Lord, I'm just coming to you. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I don't want you try to try to incorporate you into what I'm doing. I want to incorporate my life into what you're doing. I want to be a part of your purpose, your grand design, your grand vision for this city and for this world. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I pray that each and every one of us, God, would make that shift in our mind today. Stop looking after ourselves and start pursuing you. And I pray that we would do that to your honor and to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you all to to worship in in one or many ways today as we close out this service. One of the ways uh, that you can connect with us is is on that QR code. If anything that I said to you today uh, in this message makes you want to get involved, get plugged in, if you want to come and be a part of our dream team and start finding an area where you are gifted, start using the gifts that God has given you, the strengths that God has given you to connect deeply with other people and serve the community, I, I want to invite you uh, to, to come on Wednesday, Wednesday night at 7, uh, 7 o'clock um, to our Shaw campus and get connected there. Come and be a part of that. So I want to invite you, if you're not a part of the Dream Team, let us know. Put that on your connection card. You can just scan it and just say, I want to be a part of the Dream Team. Uh, If you have a particular part that you want to be a part of, let us know. We'll get you connected. Uh, Another way that you can connect with and partner with One Family Church is through your generosity, through your giving. We're we're launching that initiative in the fall. Um, But I want to invite you right now, if this is your church home, be a part of what God is doing with your resources, with your finances. Just connect with what God is doing and be a part of that. Be a part of expanding God's kingdom uh, through your generosity, through your gifts. Uh, Not only does it allow us to do the ministry that God calls us to do at these two campuses and online, but it also allows us to do a a massive amount of ministry outside of these walls um, with agencies and and mission organizations and and, uh, folks that are helping all over the city. Uh, So be a part of that. I, I encourage you to plug into that. Uh, another way that you can connect is through prayer. Some of you today need prayer. You need actually to pray about this and say, God, I, I just, I need, I need somebody to pray with me. We have a team in the, in the side auditorium. They're available to pray with you. They'll just take you by the hand and tell them what you need prayer for. You can be as specific or as general as you want to be, or you can put your prayer request on the connection card, however you want to do that. But spend some time in prayer today. Spend some time in prayer this week and say, God, where, where do you want to plug me in? Where do you want me to connect? And then finally, I want to invite you to take communion. If you're here today and you want to just spend some time taking the bread and cup and celebrating the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. That, that's, that's, that's the ultimate sacrifice right there. He's the one that ties it all together. He's the one that says, look, I, the reason that you can be a part of the body of Christ is because I gave my body for you. <laughs> I'm inviting you to be the part of the body of Christ because he allowed his body to be killed and buried and rose again and ascended and he said now you now you're the body my body is is not on this planet anymore you are the body of christ so if you're here today and you want to enjoy communion take communion celebrate that we have a space for you right in that side auditorium as you go out would you mind to just stand with us one last time and join us in worship as our worship team leads us out in song amen